Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we continue our current teaching series called Jesus, My Reward, My Desire, My King, where we've been spending the past six weeks unpacking the Gospel of John. Today, we continue in John chapter 2, where we look at how consumed Jesus was with giving reverence to his Father. Here's our big idea for today. It's Jesus consumed with giving reverence to his father. That's what Jesus was all about. And he got really, really excited and really, really ramped up about giving reverence to his father. And so we're going to think about that today. This is kind of our big idea. So before we really unpack that, I want to ask some questions. And here they go. Do I respect God? And that's something I want every single person in this room to think about. Do I respect God? And if so, how is that displayed in my life? Like, is it real and obvious? And would other people be able to point to that and say, yeah, they really do respect God. And here's the different ways that I see that lived out in their life. Do I respect God? If so, how is that displayed in my life? If not... There's no respect for God. Why not? So do I respect God? Do I passionately give him reverence? If so, how is that displayed in my life? If not, why not? So in chapter two, we find Jesus at a wedding. And he performs his very first miracle. And this is what we talked about last week where he turned the water into wine and the party continued. And it was just a wonderful celebration. I had the chance to be at a wedding on Friday night. And as I was there, I thought about our story from last week and how Jesus and his disciples and his followers, they attended a wedding. And they they had a great time there. I really believe that. And you know, weddings are not somber events, right? 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 Maybe they were for you, but most of the weddings that I attend are really not somber events. And I had a great time celebrating with this family and with the bride and the groom. And there was joy and there were smiles and there was a lot of laughter because weddings are fun. And in the first 12 verses, we find Jesus at a wedding. And there is no doubt that he had a great time. But the wedding is over and Jesus is moving on to some other things. And so here's what we find in verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now the Passover celebration commemorated Israel's deliverance from their years of slavery in Egypt. Tough years. Hard years. And so this whole Passover is a big celebration where they basically give thanks to God for giving them freedom. And it's their opportunity as a nation to say, thank you, God, so much for what you did in years past. You were faithful to us. We sung about that. And you gave us freedom. And so we're now going to institute this whole celebration where we just take some time and we give respect and reverence to God. That's what the Passover celebration is about. And so Jesus and his followers are making their way to the city of Jerusalem so that they can do that with their people. Well, because this is a big deal and a big celebration, 
there are individuals coming from all over the place, really all over the world, into the city of Jerusalem so that they can celebrate the Passover. So this city is just packed and full of people. And so the merchants and the business owners know that they have an opportunity with a lot of people coming in to celebrate and to remember what God has done for them. They've got this wonderful opportunity to make a few extra dollars. I want you to keep that in mind as we look at verse 14. In the temple area, all right, so we're talking about the church here. In the temple area, he, speaking of Jesus, saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Now, part of the Passover celebration involved an animal sacrifice, and that's just what they did. That was part of their culture. That's part of what they did to remember how God delivered them. But these travelers that were coming in from a distance really didn't carry these animals with them. It wasn't very convenient. It wasn't easy for them. So when they would come into the city from a distance, they would just go into the temple area, and they would purchase an animal, and then they would give that to the priest, and the priest would make that sacrifice before God, and this is how they would celebrate and remember. That's just what they did. Well, because these individuals are coming into the city and they don't have these animals for that, those who were selling the animals decided, let's jack up the prices and let's make a lot of money because these people want to sacrifice and they will need to do that in order to really celebrate before God. So here's a wonderful opportunity for us just to make a lot of money. Let's just jack up the prices. It's kind of the law of supply and demand. It's kind of like when you go to a stadium event and you want a hot dog that is about 25 cents and it costs five bucks. And you gladly pay the five bucks because you want that and you're on the inside and there's nothing that you can do about it. That's what's happening here. They're really gouging people who are wanting to do something right before God. So in addition to the whole animal thing that's going on, there's something else that's taking place here. And that is there is money being exchanged. Every Jewish male, 20 years and older, had to pay a temple tax. That was their responsibility. That's how they kept the temple going and operating. And if they were coming in from a different place and from a different country, they would have different types of coinage. And they would have to exchange that to give the right type of coinage to the temple. And just like the animal people, the money exchange people are saying, wow, we've got them. I mean, they are trapped. They have to pay the temple tax. This is what they want to do. Again, this is our opportunity to raise the prices, and we can make a lot of money here. So the animal people, ripping everybody off. The money exchange people, ripping everybody off. And what was supposed to be a time to give reverence and respect to God kind of turned into a zoo. And this is happening in the temple. This is happening in the church. And what began as a service to the worshipers, because they didn't need to do these things, became an opportunity for complete exploitation. And this is what Jesus walks into. And this is what he sees. 
a worshipful atmosphere that should have been present as a picture of God's presence in their lives was completely absent. An environment that was supposed to be about giving reverence to God turned into money gouging. And the heartfelt sounds of worship were drowned out by vendors. And the heartfelt cries of passionate worship were not even being heard at all. And this is what Jesus begins to observe. I wonder sometimes, what does Jesus see when he looks in at Valley Point Church? And to take it another step, what does Jesus see when he looks into your heart? Does he see somebody who's really engaged in worship or is there just a lot of distraction there, a lot of other things that are happening instead of this focus on giving reverence to our Heavenly Father? Verse 15 tells us Jesus made a whip after he saw this from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And what we find here is pretty amazing because Jesus gets really mad. He gets really, really upset. Like this is supposed to be an opportunity for us to be giving reverence to God and we should be hearing the sounds of worship and prayers should be offered up. Instead, this is like a zoo atmosphere and Jesus can't handle it. And so he makes a whip and he begins chasing out all of these animals. He flips over the tables of the money changers and there's money all over the place. There's animals everywhere. People are probably running and screaming all because of the act and the anger of Jesus. So for those who ever thought Jesus was this really kind, passive, weak individual, this is really something here. And it's all driven by the fact that people are not giving reverence to my father. And I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to change the atmosphere. I'm going to make it possible for us to do what God wants us to do here. Verse 17 tells us, then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. And this is actually taken from Psalm 69. And so the followers of Jesus, knowing the Old Testament scriptures, would have remembered. This is something familiar here. We remember these words and he's not seeing passionate worship in this place. And we know that passion for God's house, God's house will consume Jesus and it's not happening here. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? What? exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days. They probably thought that was pretty funny. Like this guy has absolutely cracked up and now he's driving everybody out and he's making a big scene here. And then he's gonna tell us that he can rebuild all of this, which took several years. He can do it in three days. 
This is crazy. This is kind of funny. Verse 21. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. So here's what all of that means. Jesus and his death as the ultimate sacrificial lamb would lay the foundation for a new spiritual temple, namely the church. That's us. This is what we get to be a part of. And this is how we give reverence to God in this time and in these moments. And as imperfect as this is, and as imperfect as I am, and as imperfect as we are, somehow this, what we're doing right now, what we're experiencing right now, what we're lifting up right now, God's house is our opportunity to give reverence with our frail human intellect and it's exactly what God wants us to do. And so this matters. This is a big deal. It's not just it is what it is and I'll clock some time and I'll be good with that. These 60 minutes are a really big deal. And the value of what happens in this place and the value of what happens when we leave because the church goes The church just doesn't stay in the four walls here. So the value of what happens here in this hour and the value of what happens when we leave, it matters. And that's why Jesus said, passion for God's house will consume me. And it's why he was consumed with reverence for his father. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about how we can ramp this up in our lives. This whole reverence for God thing. Because I think it's really easy to say, no, I need to give reverence and respect to God. Most of us are going to agree with that. It's easy to say, but it's kind of a hard thing to figure out. And I've never met anybody who said, you know what my problem is? I just have too much respect for God. Like, I got to back off a little bit. See, people don't say that. And we would agree we need more respect and reverence, but how do you practically pull that off? So I want to share with you three really simple, easy ways that I think we as a faith community, can say, here's how we're going to give more and more respect for our Heavenly Father. Because if Jesus was consumed with this, if passion for his house consumed him, it should consume all of us too. So three simple ways. First of all, prepare. As you come into this place and this sacred space and into this moment, Prepare. Pray before you come and ask God to give you something that you can hang on to for another seven days. When homework is given, read that and check that out because it will ramp up your interest level. And then I would encourage everybody to eliminate as much clutter as you can on Sunday morning. Because have you noticed, Sunday mornings can be really, really tough, can't they? 
trying to get everybody ready. And if you've got kids, you know what that dynamic looks like and nothing works out and everything spills and people argue and we all complain and then we get in the car and there's more arguing and then we get out and we walk into this environment with all of that tension happening on the inside. And so we've got to do whatever we can to prepare and eliminate as much of the clutter on Sunday morning as possible. And I don't say that because it's an easy thing to do. I say it because it's valuable. Like if we're gonna ramp up our reverence for God, these are things we gotta implement in our lives. So let's prepare. Secondly, participate in the whole experience. And as we do that, it will ramp up our reverence level. In our membership class, we talk with people who are kind of checking out Valley Point Church. And one of the things that I always say is that here at Valley Point, nothing competes with the weekend, meaning that nothing competes with Sunday morning. And so we pour the greatest amount of our effort and our creativity and our planning and our blood, sweat, and tears, all of that into what happens in these 60 minutes. We do other things as a church. There's no doubt about that. But nothing competes with Sunday morning because this is the biggest front door to people responding to the greatness of God. And so as we plan and prepare and think through songs and prayers and readings and giving and series and what you see on the screen and what you feel and what you hear, every part of that is designed to help us focus on God. So here's the challenge. Do more than fill a chair. Okay? Filling a chair is really, really easy. Do more than fill a chair. Engage mentally and prepare and pray and ask God to whisper into your heart and ask him to do the same for the people around you because from the opening song to the final goodbye, this is our opportunity on a Sunday morning, 60 minutes out of the whole week where we get to reverence God in the way that he wants us to. And so this matters. It's important. And so think through the whole experience. And then thirdly, program for it. If you don't program and schedule this, everything else will become more important. It just happens. So program and schedule this and program and schedule outside of this as the church moves and goes. If we don't program and schedule, it just won't happen because everything else will become more urgent. Let's get one takeaway today. And that is arrange your life in such a way that reverence for God is unquestionable. (laughs) Just arrange your life and your schedule and your thinking and your attitudes. Arrange your whole life in such a way that respect and reverence for God is unquestionable and that people can actually see that and identify that in you. And it is without doubt Not an easy thing to do. That's why I want to go back to the question and say, do I respect God? If so, how is that displayed in my life? See, I think the challenge today as we think about more than just filling a chair is let's arrange everything that happens around us so that our reverence for God is unquestionable. So let's end with this. How does it work out for Jesus? You know, what happens after he gets mad here and clears everybody out because they're not giving reverence? Verse 23, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. 
But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. It's kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Like Jesus didn't trust them. The idea of the language here means that he didn't put himself in their hands. And while they were saying, yay, Jesus is wonderful and he's amazing and he's doing all of this crazy stuff, he really knew what their hearts were like, just like he knows what our hearts are like. Verse 25, no one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. He knew just like he knows us. And so the challenge today is what do I need to adjust and tweak and perhaps get rid of or maybe even add in my life so that my reverence for God is unquestionable in this time frame and as I go because the church goes. I want to give you some homework for next week, and I know everybody's going to follow up on this after our challenge today. So I want you to read John 3, verses 1 through 21, and you're going to discover there an amazing story where Jesus is having a conversation with a really intelligent guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is trying to figure out Jesus and what does it mean to trust in you and why do I need to do that? And here's where we get some of the most famous words in all of Scripture. John three sixteen. It's part of this conversation. And we're going to find that Jesus is really passionate about something else. And I hope that you'll be here next week as we think through that. To help us give reverence and the right kind of respect today, I really began to wrestle with what what should we do? Is there something we should write down? Is there something that we should memorize? Is there some action step that we should take and How can we implement this? Because again, I just don't want to talk about it. That's easy to do. We need to actually show with our actions that we're giving this type of reverence. So I started to think about some different things that we might be able to do. And I talked to our creative team and we thought this would just be an amazing time to serve communion and just kind of get quiet and low and think about this God who sent his only son to pay the price for our sins and just thank him for that great sacrifice and give respect. So we call it communion because it communicates Christ's saving work. We call it the Lord's Supper because he is our host and he is with us. He's here in this room now speaking to us. And we call it Eucharist because we Eucharistio, we give thanks for this great sacrifice. And in doing all of this, guess what? Reverence. Reverence and respect for our heavenly Father. Jesus, consumed, with giving reverence to his father. And we need to be ready to do the same. Father, I'm so grateful for some time today to think through the rest of the verses in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, that talk to us about giving respect to you. This is ultimately what you want and what you wish for. And so, God, as we move into this time, Help us to truly give reverence to you at the highest level in our minds, with our actions, 
with what we remember. God, help us to walk out of here in just a few moments with a whole new level of respect for you, both in this hour and as we walk away, because the church goes on mission every day, everywhere. Church isn't just in this room. But the value of what we find in this room and the value of what happens when we leave, all of this gives us the opportunity to just give reverence to you. So may people see that in us and may it drive them to consider what's happening in their own lives and their own relationship and friendship with you. God, I just pray that you'd use this time right now to challenge us and to give us great reverence, respect for you. I pray that as you look in on us now, that you would see hearts and activity that reflects heartfelt worship and passionate prayers. And that we would be willing to push away all of the distractions of today and this week and the things that hurt us and even our successes, that we would be able to set all of that aside and just give you the kind of reverence that you deserve and that you demand as God. God, I pray that you would be filled with a smile and filled with great joy as you look in on us now and just see us giving reverence and respect to you. Be with us now, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 